Welcome to another episode of Politically Entertaining. I'm Frank here with Byron, and today we have a special treat for you, a local election special for the mayoral race of Mobile, Alabama. I know that generally we talk about a lot of news and politics, but we're both from Mobile, and so we thought with this election coming up in the mayoral race that's been very, very hotly contested, that the best we could do is get opposing uh, viewpoints for both candidates and just kind of let the landscape go where it may as far as the perspectives from each side and kind of weigh in on that. So, Byron, I'm just really excited to do the show today, and I'm really, really interested in seeing what both supporters of both candidates have to say. Yes, we're looking very forward to covering this election, mayoral race, Mobile, Alabama. Uh, if you look at what's going on in this country, uh, you know, nationally with last year's presidential election and what's going on, you know, currently among racial lines, uh, party lines. Mobile is really representative of all of that right now. Uh, we have Sandy Stimson, who is the current mayor, uh, versus Sam Jones, who is the former mayor. Uh, Mobile is predominantly black, um, and Sam Jones is the black candidate versus the white candidate. So obviously you're going to have that racial divide. You're also going to have that political divide. And we have two great uh, supporters of each candidate. We're going to uh, ask them some questions and, you know, have them tell you why their candidate is better and try to correct uh, some of the, the misleading facts that may be out there. Uh, Frank and I, trust me, we have a lot to say on uh, Charlottesville, the NFL and its upcom upcoming season and a whole lot of material that we would love to get to. But we really want to do this episode. We're going to stick to just hearing from uh, both of the supporters and try to get them as much time as possible and get into that. So with that said, let's get into the show. Drop that beat. Listening to Politically Entertaining, your Cliff's Notes to American Politics. And now, your host. Today, at the top Frank of the show, we be covering Byron. this mayoral election in Mobile, Alabama. And first up, we have one of the supporters for former Mayor Sam Jones, Tim Hale Jr. I want to thank you for coming on and uh, spending some time with us, brother. What's up? What's up? What's up, man? It's good to be on. Good to be on. Good to have. Good. Glad you guys had me on the show, man. No problem, man. We really thank you for coming, man. I want to start off with this first question, man. It seems to be a hot button topic down there uh, for Mayor Sandy Stimson and for the non-mobile listeners. He was connected to a group called Comic Cowboys that uh, participates in Mardi Gras parades down there. And they usually push the envelope on racial jokes. And this year, many people felt like they crossed the line. Stimson was, you know, a part of this organization. Why wasn't him resigning not good enough for uh, some of the Sam Jones supporters and some of the citizens in Mobile? Uh, it seems like that wasn't enough. Did he resign in time? Should he have known more about this organization or should he be given credit for saying, hey, they crossed the line and I'm, I'm stepping away? 
how do you see that whole situation with him? Man, first of all, you know, the coming cowboy has been around since the 1800s. So him not knowing what they're about is crazy. He stated in his in his own speech that some friends of his told him that he needs to join that organization to get to meet some people that he normally wouldn't get a chance to meet. And, you know, if you join an organization, you have to see what the organization's about. Uh, organizations that do parades, they have a float party. And when they have a float party, you get to view all the floats before they get to roll down the street. If you join an organization and you pay dues to that organization, that means you, you have access to all the literature about the organization, all the behind-the-scenes things about the organization. So before these the things hit the street, he had to already have seen them and know what was going on. So for him to join after he became mayor and ran an election saying one mobile, but you joined a, 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 a segregated society and a, a secret segregated society that dogs out minorities in the city that you claim to make unify and to make one mobile, only to um, resign from the organization after the public outcry of hatred saying that the organization was racist and did a lot of racist comments, only to that's when you decide to get out of the organization. I feel like that's a problem, man. Um, you know, of course, it's an election year, so why not this year denounce it? You know, uh, why not get out of it this year because it's going to hurt you? Uh, everybody knows that Mobile, Alabama is 52 to 50 53% of black voters. So, of course, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get out of that to save faith and try to denounce what's going on only after they have humiliated, uh, members of the city council, members of the uh, neighboring city of Pritchard, um, uh, school board members. They, 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 I mean, it just was, it was ridiculous and it's always been ridiculous for years. So, for you to stay in the organization and pay dues for three years, that means you really enjoy the company of those type of people. And I just feel like that's not good leadership for the city of Mobile. To give the listeners some context, uh, I know one of the signs in the parade alluded to had a noose on there and alluded to a lynching. Also, one sign uh, had something about Uber and that the Uber in the black neighborhood was a police car. So, uh, a lot of people were offended by a lot of those things. The next it was question, horrible, man, it, it, yeah, it, it even had a the one with the news. I mean, the caption read that yeah, the prisons are overcrowded, but uh, I don't think we ran out of gravity. Yeah, like pretty, dude, pretty that's like saying stuff, let's yeah. go back to lynching instead of putting them in jail. Right, and that's that's nothing to play with. Um, I'm gonna toss it to Frank. I had a two part question for you though. Okay. Uh, with with Sam Jones. Two of the biggest criticisms that I've heard, one is from the uh, Stimson campaign, who has said that he did not manage the uh, budget well when he was mayor and that he left the city in debt. And another criticism I hear from a lot of black citizens that during uh, Jones's administration, the police department had a lot of roadblocks in predominantly black neighborhoods. Uh, is that something that he would be looking to change if he's reelected? And how does he respond to the whole mismanaging of the money when he was in office and alleging that the city was left in debt? 
Okay, cool, cool. Let's let's just let's start with the debt part of it. Um, if you know during during Sam Jones' uh, time as mayor, um, United States was in the worst economic crisis that it had ever been in, and so I mean we we were headed back toward the Great Depression. So money and and things of that nature was something that we just didn't have for a lot of things. So we had to make a lot of stuff. Well, Sam had to make a lot of sacrifices, him and his administration. And they they chose, instead of spending on certain things, they chose to keep people employed. They they chose to keep people employed and make provisions for when the, when the uh, economy turned around that they would have those provisions in place that would dump the money that that was needed back into – the um in into the the budget now they did that that's not saying that they depleted the budget see when they say that Sam has managed money they saying that they didn't he didn't spend it on certain things that they felt like he should have spent it on such as they like to say oh he didn't do this for infrastructure or he didn't do this if I was in I would have did it this way well if everybody was in office they would have did it their way anyway so if you're the mayor you you do it your way. But see, Sam made provisions when when the uh, when they brought in Airbus and all that stuff. They knew that when the first plane flew from um, Brooklyn Field, it changed the tax base. They knew that once they um, they annexed um, Tim's Corner and the and the Schillinger area, it changed the tax base. So once that came through, the money would go back to where they needed to go once the uh, economy came. Once Obama got in office. The uh, uh, economy took a turn, and so the only problem with that plan was it it was going to take time, and Sam did not win the last election, so that that was that was the issue with that. So that's why you see the prosperity so soon once Sandy Stimson got in office. Um, I, I was talking with a, a colleague uh, earlier about it, and we you know we we discussed and said that. You know, Sandy Stimson made the statement that all he did was move around some line items, and now we got a surplus. So if we're broke, if the if the city was broke and in the deficit, and you move around line items, that means you already you had the money, you just moved it around. So that means you couldn't have been broke because if I'm broke, I can't call Regions Bank and move nobody nobody's money because it ain't there. So how can you move money that's not there? So when they they use that, I think that's a PR term to say broke. Um, nobody has confirmed the amount of money. It's always been speculation. Look, the budget is public record. They it get audited every year. So if somebody really want to know the numbers and really want to know what happened, then hey, go check it. Go check it out. I hear you. Sounds like the uh, the Clinton dynamic. How he left a surplus. For Bush and then Bush reaped the benefits from it. Now, what about uh, the complaints that I heard about roadblocks in predominantly black neighborhoods? Is that true? Okay. Uh, it, with the roadblocks, with the roadblocks, the roadblocks were part of it. wasn't They wasn't road. There was public safety checkpoints, and they was a part of a grant that the, the city of Mobile received. And uh, in in that grant. They, 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 there was no way for them to target black neighborhoods because that would have been illegal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So if the, if he did something illegal like that, he'd have been in jail. And if all of all of the um, the uh, results of the road or the public checkpoints were 
are public records. They're public records. And if you know, if you look at those records, it will show that there were more tickets given in Western Mobile, West part of Mobile, than in the urban area. Okay. So, are considered the predominantly black neighborhoods. So the roadblocks were consistent around the city. So people, I mean, it's just, it just, I guess it, it, it was more heartfelt and it was outspoken in the predominantly black neighborhoods because, hey, you know, a lot of times they don't, they don't, want, you know what I'm saying? They don't want to deal with the police anyway. Right. And they're going to, they're going to have an outcry because they've been oppressed by the police. Not, not because they just doing something wrong, but in a lot of cases they have been profiled by the police. So poli- police interactions with them are never taken well. Now, <clears throat> if you really look at it, you know, it's, it's, it's a situation where, you know, public perception is everything. And if you take something like that, I mean, people take it and run with it. Mm-hmm. And it just, it just, he, he just needs to do a, a better PR job at letting people know, hey, this is going on all over the state. It's not just in this neighborhood. So I think, it, you know, if he's elected again, and I think that grant is ran out anyway, but if he's elected again, he should, he just had to do a better job at the PR part of that. That's fair. Hey, Tim, this is Frank. Um, I have a question for you. You put out a lot of really, really good facts that I think is important going into an election. Now, one of the things that um, I've seen kind of going around social media is the perception that uh, the Jones campaign or the Jones supporters maybe of of the campaign are engaging in things that are not necessarily factual, but maybe um, potentially just saying, hey, what Sandy Simpson isn't doing, what he's not going to do. And I wonder, is there a concern from the actual campaign that the messages about, you know, say coming after Sandy Simpson is, is, is that's fine and it feels good to maybe come after your opponent. But it's always more important, as you said, to mention like what you've done. You talked about Airbus. You talked about the getting through those tough times economically. Um, are, are you concerned or, or, or do you feel, feel like the campaign is concerned about any message from supporters overriding the overall um, message of the campaign of what Sam Jones is doing from a factual standpoint? Man, that's a great question, man. Um, if you think about it, dude, um, social media, social media loves um, things that are controversial. Um, if you put a bunch of facts on social media and the truth, um, it won't get a lot of likes. But if you put something on there controversial, uh, it's going to get shared, it's going to get liked, and it's going to spark conversation and things of that nature. Um if you you're looking for the things that Sam is gonna do, he he's always said that he's gonna continue to do what he has done. That's build relationships and that's grow the city. Sam Jones personally has grown the city more than any other mayor in the last, I would say, in my opinion, the last fifty years. The, he was the only person to annex Mobile and bring in uh, a bigger tax base, the McGowan Park uh, area. Um, that project, um, the annexation of the Schillinger's Road, um, all that kind of stuff, he did those things. The negotiation of ThyssenKrupp, um, um, BAE, um, Airbus, all those things, that's under Sam Jones. And so when you look at the facts and things that are going on, everything that you've seen in the in, in Sandy Stimson's first two years and even continuing, has were benefits of the thing that Sam Jones has already done. 
So when you're looking at the facts um, of what Sam has done and will do and will continue to do, then you, all you got to do is just look at what what uh, Sandy Stimson is trying to take credit for, and he, he cannot take credit for because if you look at the plans, like even Mardi Gras Park, that was Sam Jones's idea, and he had the plans already done, and Sandy Stimson threw away the plans for that, and now he's trying to make it into like a flea market or something like that. So we were supposed to have a Las Vegas-style um, water fountain with the music and all that stuff. It was going to be an attraction for the city of Mobile. Um, see, Sam Jones believed that <clears throat> we have to make Mobile marketable for people to come here. We have a cruise ship in Mobile, but people come and get on the cruise ship and leave because they don't have any attractions. See, you go see attractions because you, that's the only place in the world that you can go see them. That makes them special. You can go anywhere to a flea market. But Sam Jones believed that if we make downtown Mobile an entertainment district, um, that would attract people to come to Mobile and spend more money. Bayfest was one of the biggest festivals, the one of the biggest festivals that, that was on the Gulf Coast. And people came all walks of life. There was a concert for everybody. It was a concert for the Christian folk. It was a concert for the rap folks. It was a concert for the country folk. It was a concert for everybody. And Bayfest, in over three days, brought in over $30 million for the city of Mobile. And they did it with uh, Sandy Stimson administration did away with it. Why? I don't know. So when I tell you Sam Jones has, he, he's committed to continually grow and make Mobile is a, an attractive place, and not only make it an attractive place, but he wanted to make it so all walks of life are able to be successful, not just a not just the top tier uh, citizens in Mobile. So I think Sam Jones, uh, <clears throat> the, the the message is out there. Um, social media does do a job with um, spewing the mess part of it because that's what they do. And I think that in the future it would be better to just put out facts, but. You got to think, Sam Jones' camp is putting the facts out, but, you know, supporters, you know, people are Facebook stars, celebrities. So what they put out there, that's what's going to be retweeted and um, shared on Facebook and all things like that. So that was a great question, man. I hope I answered it for you. I think you, you, you nailed it, man. That was that was incredible. Um, the, the last question I have for you is, okay, August 23rd, um, two, two options here. Sam Jones is victorious. Everything you said has resonated with people in Mobile. He is he is reelected mayor again. Um, how do you proceed dealing with, uh, you know, maybe some of the opposition that happened to work together towards, as you said, one Mobile? On the flip side, August 23rd, you wake up. Uh, Sandy Simpson is reelected as the mayor. Um, how do you then move forward uh, trying to still move forward with some of Sam Jones' agenda and also trying to heal relationships potentially with people on the other side of Simpson campaign and working towards one Mobile? Well, to be honest, man, um, regardless of who is the winner on August 22nd, regardless of who's the winner, I'm committed to, to serving the community. So whether it's I'm having to uh, work my way through Sandy Stimson's administration to um, be the voice for the people that I represent, then that's what I'm going to do. Or if I'm working with Sam Jones and he already understands my my uh, passion and 
already understands what what my stance is and understands that I'm gonna hold him accountable for the thing, the promises that are made. Then either way, Tim Hale would be working for the people of Mobile, Alabama, because I'm born and raised in the city of Mobile. I'm not going anywhere. And, you know, we I have to be the, the champion for the people who are less fortunate. So, you know, that that I will I will do anything I can to work with both administrations. Um I think uh, a healthy debate during the election is great. Um the differences people get to put out their differences and say who they support. Uh sometimes in politics things get ugly, some people get offensive, things like that. I mean it just happens but and that's all in the nature of competition. You want your guy to win. But at the end of the day, when all the dust settles, when all the election stuff is over with, there is a community that needs to be served. And at the end of the day, I will be there and and do my best to work with any administration to make sure that the people that don't have the voice, that don't have the the, uh, the 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 means to do certain things and get in certain um, certain seats in the community. I want to make sure they have a voice. And so, like as, like as your question states, yes, I will work with Sandy Stimson's team, and I definitely will work with Sam Jones' team because the work for the community doesn't stop regardless of who wins the election. Election Day is this Tuesday, August 22nd in Mobile, Alabama. We're talking with Tim Hill, one of the supporters of Sam Jones. Going to get you out of here, sir. I know you got a lot to do, so I'll just end it with this final question for you. Uh, okay, okay. Sandy, Sandy Stimson, one of the big myths with, when he first won four years ago was that he threw this fish fry and had this Tucker concert. <clears throat> and I know for his re-election, he had uh, Juju on the beat. He's been giving uh, keys to the city to all these prominent black people in the city, uh, giving out free ice cream. My question for you is, is Sam Jones doing the same thing in the, quote, white neighborhoods? And why why is Sandy Stimson's efforts seem why did they come across as so, um, I guess, non-authentic to so many people down there? Like, is, is it unfair to say that? That's what he really wants to do. Or are you guys not buying it and just saying that it's a political game? And again, is Sam Jones also working to get, you know, votes on the other side of town as well? Um, let me just say uh, things that are authentic start out with relationships. And the thing is, in the in, in, in the hood, we call it, we say, keep it real. And if if you've been in office for three years and you only come to the hood when you need some to take some pictures to post on the internet when it's time for election, that's not keeping it real. If you just want to give us some um, some blues concerts and some some ice cream and some juju, the only reason you did ice cream and juju on the beat this time is because you 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 hired a couple of black people to. Uh, tell you what black people like so you could try to do it and so it would be offensive. So you're going after the kids to try to get the black parents out there, which is, I mean, I understand the tactic, but being genuine and having a tactic is two totally different things. Uh, Sam Jones has been uh, invited to several um, non-black functions, and he's spoken with those people. Um, but once again, it's about keeping it real. Um 
you know, a lot of those circles he has been exed out of because a lot of them are loyal to Sandy Stimson. But he's he's constantly working with everybody. See, you got to realize Sam Jones in the military was uh, diversity, uh, worked in diversity. So, you know, he's he's been working for all for all all sides. Um, Sandy Stimson, I think he I think he's a uh, from what I hear a great Christian man. I respect him for that. Um, I have no personal ploy against Sandy Stimson, but some of his tactics are way left, and uh, I think he's getting some bad information from some people. He's allowing some people to give get him to do some moves that I, I feel are very, 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 very left field and that is not real, and it's coming off as being something that's offensive more than um, something that's taken as a incentive to get people to vote for him. And so I, I just think that, you know, the juju on the beat, the ice cream, the going to Ricky Smiley's show with the Temptations, he's doing more hurt than he's doing, you know, he's hurting his campaign more than anything. That is more divisive than anything saying by him doing those things because that's saying, like, if I just get the black folks some, some chicken and some, some watermelon, some fish fry and some, some Tucker and some some blues, they gonna vote for me. Nah, that that ain't cool because that that's that's exploiting a stereotype. I mean, if you want to be authentic, bring Garth Brooks. You know, bring Garth <laughs> Brooks to Mobile and give people the opportunity to make a choice to go down there. I mean, that's more authentic. You know, I can see him doing something like that. You know, bring a Katy Perry for the for the kids. Um, believe it or not, he probably would have got more black people down there than he thought, you know, um, do something authentic. Don't try to run the Ricky smiling don't try to run the Tucker. You don't even know who Tucker is, but you, you had, you used him in your campaign. So that to me, that's just not authentic. And, uh, it was just a ploy to get people out to try to try to steal a vote, man. And like I say, keep it real. And, you know, <clears throat> I just, I just like just to end that off, keep it real. <laughs> That's gotcha. it, man. <laughs> well, I know four years ago the contest was uh, very, very close. I think it, the margin was like around 4,000 votes. So, again, August 22nd, this Tuesday, Mobile, make sure you get out there and vote. If we learn nothing from the past presidential election, you can't assume that your candidate is going to win. You got to get out there and you got to vote and try to help your candidate get out there. Tim, man, I want to thank you for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Appreciate the uh, insight on your candidate. And I want to wish no the best problem, of luck man. to you. Good luck to you Look, this man, Tuesday. All I, all I got to say is Tuesday, August 22nd, we about to make history. Okay, we about man. to make history. <laughs> we finna, we finna, it's, it's like it's, we we finna do something like what Rocky did to the Russian. You know, the <laughs> Russian had all his money. He had the best. He had the best team. He had the best doctors. He had the best everything. He came in the room. He was solid. He was tight. Rocky didn't have any money. He went to traditional training. He had all that kind of stuff. But the heart and the will to win led Rocky to the victory. And I think that's what's going to happen with Sam Jones and, and, and Sandy Stimson. Sandy Stimson raised over a million dollars for his campaign. Sam Jones only 25000 And right now in the polls, we are neck and neck. That's unheard of, dude. That is unheard of. And come August 22nd at 7 p.m., history will be made in the city of Mobile. 
I think um, the city would turn out in record numbers. The city would turn out in record numbers. Black, white, Hispanic, Jewish, everybody that's eligible to vote would turn up in record. I'm, th- I'm looking to see numbers like President Obama when they did the election with President Obama. It's going to be amazing, man. It's, go- it's going down. It's going to be like a Mayweather fight. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will be watching closely. It's all in versus one mobile. We'll see what happens this that's Tuesday. It, baby. Thank you. Let's do it. All right, man. Listen up. It's time for a politically entertaining exclusive interview. Ironically, when we first had this guest on our show last year, I referred to her as the mayor of Mobile at the time. She is now the Diversity Outreach Director for the current mayor of Mobile, Mayor Sandy Stimson. Erica Cooley, thank you for coming on our show once again, ma'am. Well, um, thank you for having me. And I do want to um, correct that I am on Mayor Stimson's reelection campaign, which is totally separate from his administration. So my role as Diversity Outreach Director is explicitly for his reelection campaign. Fair enough. Thank you for that correction. I'm going to get right into the um, first question. Now, a lot of your criticism has come from the fact that you supported Sam Jones four years ago. And as recently as early this year, you were close to supporting him again. What was the deciding factor that made you support Mayor Stimson? Because it's been alleged that it was money. So what say you? Criticism? What criticism? Just to hear um, something like that. Well, let me clarify. Um, I did support uh, Sam Jones in 2013. I had the opportunity to not only interview Sam Jones, but interview um, Sandy Stimson. And I actually really liked the fact that we had this white man Immobile promoting a unity message because he didn't have to, you know. I like the fact that he um, was willing to engage um, predominantly African-American communities with real full-out campaign events. I think the one that I attended was in Trinity Garden. I also had, uh, attended one in Tomobile. And as a, a child growing up in Mobile and then coming back home, I just hadn't seen that level of engagement from a white male in the African-American community that wasn't trying to extort, you know, a 28% APR for a car. You know, it was genuine and sincere, like, hey, this is who I am, you know, what are your interests, you know, what, do you, what, what concerns you, um, let me know. And so I, I vibe with that. However, um, you know, I was on the scene, per se, and after, you know, listening to, uh, Sam Jones, I was like, you know, I, I just can't not rock with the black man. You know, we'd mm-hmm. already had Obama um, <laughs> going into his second term at the time, and it's just unheard of to not rock with the black candidate. And I wasn't in a space where I could do that just on my own value system. So I did um, support Sam Jones in 2013. Um, you know, and that's what it was. Um, more recently, I had been invited to a 
I guess, a, a meeting at uh, Ball Healthcare in February of 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that meeting, you know, we had an opportunity to hear from Sam Jones, and I was sitting there like, uh, I ain't really, you know, I ain't really, I don't see the vision. Um, and, you know, some things were said about, you know, compensation and how we could, you know, the things that can be done once, you know, that particular team was in place. Let's rewind. Um, you know, as you know, I work at the radio station. I had the opportunity to speak with Sam Jones when he recorded the commercial for Troy Ephraim, who was running for, uh, well, seeking reelection for mayor of Pritchard at the time. And in that uh, conversation, you know, I told, you know, Sam, uh, you know, you you didn't lose because of the fish fries and the blues concert. You lost because, you know, people didn't turn out in support of you. It wasn't the, the fish fries and the blues concert. Like, that's a myth. That's, that's just not true. And, you know, we talked about that, and I said, well, you know, I asked him why is it that you didn't let the young politicals at the time, you know, work on your campaign? Because one thing I did see from um, Simpson's campaign in 2013 is that it was open, right? If you had an idea, you came in, you presented your idea, and it seemed like a lot of energy and people, you know, were able to do that thing. But when you got to the um, Sam Jones campaign, and maybe it was just his, you know, position as being mayor and having to be more closed and more protective, it just wasn't that same level of openness. Um, And so, you know, after our meeting in February of 2016, um, I'd gotten another message from Kevin Ball, who's serving as the campaign manager for that team, and he was talking about the next meeting. And I let him know that, you know, I was going to fit this one out. Thank you. You know, I appreciate it, but I'm going to sit this one out. That was March 2016. So, you know, in the interim, I started working on um, Leola Taney's campaign for City Council District 3 um, just because I believed there needed to be female, um, African-American, single mother representation on the city council. It had always been spoken about having equal representation across color lines on the city council because Mobile is majority African-American. But when the conversation was brought up, or when I asked the question, well, what about women? It was said that we have female representation um, at the state level. So you have Adeline Clark, Barbara Drummond, Vivian Figures, you know, represent at the state level. So I had to remind them we're talking about the local city race, right? Right. But, you know, like they say, we have representation at the state level, so I guess city doesn't matter. In that instance, I don't know. But I decided to um, support Leola's vision, you know, reluctantly, because I was like, okay, I have, uh, you know, a new husband, I have a new home, let me focus on nesting, Right. Um, Leola can do this. She can do it without me. Um, but it was just something about her passion, um, with the things that she wanted to accomplish and my desire to see that female representation. I said, you know what, let's, let's go ahead and, and make something happen. And I would say about a month, two months in, um, you know, I got a really great opportunity. You know, I was asked if, you know, I would be interested and working on 
Mayor Simpson's reelection campaign, and I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on? Like, why are they, you know, asking me? Why are they? Why are they pursuing me? You know, why? Why would they want me? You know, that's my list. Like, why would they want me? Not thinking about like, you know what? You actually know what's going on in these streets, and you know what the African American community and these young people want. Um. So why not get in a position to where you can communicate that? And so from that conversation, um, you know, I prayed about it. I spoke um, to my family, got their insight, and they were ten toes down. They were like, yeah, baby, go for it. And I told them, you know, I'm currently, they knew, rather, that I was currently working on um, Leola's campaign, and they said, you know, put some things in place to make sure she's secure, but God is the God of promotion. And I'm thinking, like, you know what? I haven't gotten a promotion since I've been in Mobile. You know what I'm saying? This is the first, this is the first group of people to tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, baby, there's something special about you. There's something in you that we want to leverage. Let's do it, right? And I'm like, okay, okay, cool. All right, pray about it, talk to my husband about it, Um and then once I decided that this was the route that I would take, you know, I called Leola. I think that was a Friday about 6 o'clock. I called Leola at 9 o'clock. I was at her front door Saturday, you know, like 9 a.m. Like, hey, this is what's going on. Just that quickly. After I got the buy-in um, from the Lord, <laughs> he said, yo, I presented this opportunity. What you, what you need buy-in from me for Call the family. Next day, I'm at Leola's um, doorstep, and we talk it out. And so it's just been a whirlwind from there because after Leola and I talked about I commenced to call the people that are in proximity to me. Byron, I called you like, yo, this is what's going on. How do we handle this? Because we don't want it to be misperceived, right? And we were definitely trying to frame the narrative um, as honestly as possible but somehow things just got misconstrued. And I think I made about 25, 30 phone calls from that Saturday to that Sunday. And by the time that I went very public about, you know, following my values, you know, supporting the candidate, you know, that I was, that I'm like, okay, then I can, I can work with him. You know, I, I see his vision, you know, I wasn't as, um, I wasn't as, as self-assured in my decision, you know, in 2013, but I'm at this position now where I've been in isolation for a year and a half. So it's just been me and the Lord. It's been me, the Lord, my husband. And so my, my value system started to be solidified a lot more, and I don't necessarily or didn't necessarily have the clamor of the streets saying, okay, this is what you're going to do. This is who you're going to be. That started to get shaped as I became you know, a wife, as I came, you know, the daughter that God always had me to be and I abided. So, you know, in that, in that space, I was able to create or understand my value system, um, which was based on the word and the Lord, and I was better to act and stand on it. And so I will say being in isolation for about a year and a half coming out the street, you know, being in courtship with this great man, um, you know, having to look at from my previous behavior from a, a rearview mirror type perspective it made me say, like, yo, this is what I'm about and this is what I'm going to do, you know what I'm saying? And so um, it's just been an amazing experience working 
on um, Sandy Simpson's reelection campaign. Uh, not for all the foolishness per se, although that has been amazing in and of itself. But just to say, I meet so many amazing people who are so brilliant and so welcoming of unique ideas and, you know, so open to having a conversation and so about mobile. You know, they're about what's the best way to move mobile forward. And it's so um, almost embarrassing when your cousin's acting up and are presenting language that's mad as divisive um, or things that are just not true just to get the win or just to get the position. And you send in this group of diverse people like, dang, old cousin, I'm acting up again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I'll say this. Uh, a, lot, a, lot, a lot of the personal attacks that I've seen against you um, have been quite unnecessary. It's one thing to disagree with your candidate, but it's another thing to, you know, when you get into the, the coon calling and, and all that kind of stuff, is unnecessary and it doesn't benefit their candidate and that's something that um I will relay to Mr. Jones's supporter as well. My next question before I let Frank jump in is from afar, uh many have felt like Mayor Stimson hasn't been vocal enough on domestic violence and some of the murdering of the women down there. Uh he brought Trump there on the city's dime. Mm-hmm. The the police video of Michael Moore hasn't been released. And the whole connection mm-hmm. with Comic Cowboys. Did any of that make you at any point reconsider your support for his reelection campaign? Or did you see way more positive in here that in him that outweighed some of the criticism that he's gotten? Well, I understand totally that um the positive outweigh the criticism, right? And so I look at things like um, Mayor Stimson ending Operation Impact, which was a campaign in place that featured the Jump Out Boys that basically criminalized communities um, instead of focusing on the actual criminals. And to know that he adopted Obama's 21st century policing um, policies that said, okay, he he wants to get it. You know what I'm saying? He wants to get it. Because for me, I, I used to see the Jump Out Boys when I stayed in, in New York City. And I would see these young African-American males just spread eagle on the ground for no reason, like they were walking in front of me as I'm coming up Adam Clayton Powell Boulevard. And all of a sudden, police jump out and they spread eagle on the ground or the wall. And it was the most dehumanizing thing. So to know that Mayor Simpson was saying, now, that's not going to work in our community. That was a plus for me. To know that he ended um, or reformed the municipal court system in a way that even President Obama had to say, you know what? You know, y'all get a gold star. Y'all are doing it right, or y'all are getting it, it right because they're no longer penalizing poverty. And I don't know if you all just made a connection when you have things like the um, Operation Impact and the Jump Out Boys, and people are communities are now on the defense because there are high level of arrests in their communities for whatever. You're now having to pay money to stay out of jail, and you're having to make, pay money to the court system, and you're having to pay money to attorneys. That creates a system of perpetual poverty for people that barely got it. I'm not okay with that. 
So when you talk to me about his affiliation with the Common Cowboys, and I know that, you know, he was just entering the political arena, and somebody said, you know what, you need to go affiliate with these people because these are folks that you never affiliated with. And then he looked up in, in 20, you know, 16, 2017 and see, like, yo, I'm not going to affiliate with this foolishness. Like, this is not how I'm going to rock. I'm going to excuse that because there are things in my past that I have affiliated with that, you know, if y'all choose to bring it up, I'll address it. But I have to go ahead and say that's, not, that's no longer how I rock. That's not my value system, and so I can no longer align myself. Now, if you want to crucify me for what I did in my past, you know, let me go look up in your past and see who you still associate with. Do you still associate with the dude that beat his girl to her brains, you know what I'm saying, on the concrete? Do you still affiliate with the type of music that dehumanized our women? Like, at some point, people reach a level where they're no longer willing to affiliate. And so I extend that grace to him because I recognize the things that he's done, he's done from a policy standpoint is a lot greater than what he's had to do from a social standpoint or a, a, a personal relationship standpoint, if, you know, if you can understand that. Hey, Erica, how's it going? This is Frank. And I can just, hey, hear, Frank. I can just hear the passion in your voice, uh, the way you've been answering the questions. Uh, it's, it's very, uh, very, very moving just to hear your passion and, and your reasoning and everything like that. And I think that even if somebody doesn't agree with your position in the campaign, they can at least understand your perspective, which is something that I feel like has been missing um, a little bit from the campaign. And so with that as and as a backdrop, what do you feel like is the future? Because we have all this build up and the election is going to happen on August 22nd. So what is your vision? What are you going to do? Let's say uh, Mayor Stimson wins. Let's or let's just look at both scenarios. Let's say he wins. How do you approach maybe healing uh, some of the divide that's happened during this campaign? Let's say Stimson doesn't win. How do you move forward uh, still trying to you know push some of the things that you felt like were good policy from this campaign maybe into the Jones court as well? Well. In the event that, um, you know, or once, I should say, uh, Mayor Simpson is reelected, I truly feel um, and know that if Mobile is the place where the last lady shall dock and Mobile was the place for the last lynching in the United States, then we should be the first place to have the national conversation on race relations reconciliation and healing in America. I think that's, that's the burden or that's the leadership role that we will play. Um, and so that's what I would want to see. You know, um, in the event that, you know, Sam Jones pulls a Trump, which, you know, considering the tonality of Trump's um, campaign, you know, posted visits to Mobile um, the first time, um, you know, with the divisive speech, you know, we've seen that that has been effective. And if it's also effective for Jones Kemp, that divisive speech and, you know, that tonality, then <clears throat> I would want to have the conversation as to why was it okay for your supporters and, um, to attack me personally, first of all, right? I would want to know that because I would want to reconcile that hurt in my heart. I would want to reconcile why it was okay for um, that camp to 
come after my livelihood and how I take care of my family, right? I would want to reconcile that. I would want to know why is it okay for the same intimidation tactics that we were taught in history that the, you know, white Southerners used against our ancestors as far as, um, you know, denying them the ability to vote for who they want or supporting a candidate uh, without repercussions, you know, without threatening their job. I would want to know why that was okay uh, from that camp and from, if not from that camp directly, then from those supporters, right? I would want to know that before I can proceed because I'm all about having a conversation. You know, I believe that we should be able to converse honestly before we start to move to the left or to the right because that conversation, in my understanding, lets me know where we stand. You know, that that gives us the opportunity to see words um, really do what words are supposed to do. Words can heal, words can divide, words can allow you to get an understanding. And so from my position, being a, a child of Mobile, and seeing people treat me how they have treated me and me have to reconcile that not only in my spirit, but just um, in my person, like my humanity had to reconcile. Why is it okay for, for you all to come at me like this just because, you know, you all feel I, I, you don't disagree with my position this time, right? Um, I would need to have that conversation because that's not okay with me. So after we have that, that conversation, then we can proceed to the business of, you know, mobile. But from since this campaign and these attacks have been personal, we need to have a personal conversation so that I can move forward. Because I'm not about the foolishness and the inauthenticity of just keeping it professional in this environment. You know what I'm saying? Like, we need to talk first. Kudos to you for the, for, for the win, however you got it. You know what I'm saying? But that rhetoric is quite similar to the rhetoric that um, we denounce. We denounce that rhetoric from Trump, but that's what you want to do? And you with the intimidation tactics that were used against our forefathers? Okay, then, let's talk about that. So, wow, you really didn't mince words with that answer, but I guess going forward, you know, Simpson has presented a unity message as you per, as you portrayed early in, in the interview when we talked. And so my question is, you know, how how is he going to walk forward from the people that have accused him of been, being inauthentic in the black community, you know, basically saying having a fish fry when it's convenient or doing these things when it's convenient. Do you have information on his track record in between the election, say between the last fish fry and the last juju on the beat? And how would you, what, what is your, um, I guess, response to supporters who say that Stimson is inauthentic uh, based on some of those actions? Well, I think that there's a huge level of distrust. So regardless of what Mayor Stimson would have done, it would still be perceived negatively, right? Um, and so it's, it's a matter of how do you build trust. Um, and trust in relationships is often built in dialogue. And that dialogue comes from listening. So I know that Mayor Simpson listens. You know, I know that he is open to ideas and approaches to problems and is quite innovative. But everybody doesn't know that. So I think in his next tenure, it's very important for him to say what he's going to do, do what he's said he's going to do, 
show that he did it and communicate to people along the way to build the relationship and get not necessarily the buy-in from the community, but listen to, to what they're saying and see how you can incorporate what they're saying they need, they want, they desire with what's best um, and, and proceed from there. So it, it's a relationship-building um, tactic, and that starts with awareness and education. So people need to be aware of what's going on. They need to be educated on going on what's going on. So they need to know what he's doing, and that has to start with the conversation. His doings need to be based on what the insights that they've given him um, about what they want. And it's, it's similar to what he did before, you know, back in 2013, after elected, he did a tour of the city where it was like a map of mobile and he was in communities sitting there, you know, talking to people about what it is that they wanted to see. But somewhere in the fray, that got lost, right? So I think, you know, going into 2017, 2018, um, that it's going to be very important that they create almost like a, a media channel that promotes what's going on in our city in a way that resonates with mobilians and that they are aware. And the onus is being on mobilians to tap into that. But that trust has to be reestablished with communication between the mayor and the communities. Well said. We we have the di- diversity outreach director of Mayor Stimson's reelection campaign, Erica Cooley, and I know you're working hard down there. And uh we can't wait to see what the outcome is. So good luck, and uh, we will talk to you again. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, all right, Frank. There we have it. Uh, first of a first of the kind type of episode for us to do where we just did strictly interviews. Uh, I guess first, man, I'm going to comment on Tim Hill. And basically, a couple of things I found interesting with his interview was just how he viewed uh Mayor Stimson's efforts as far as going into the black neighborhoods that is inauthentic and that, you know, a lot of times me and you, we always say the important part of an election is the time between you get elected and the time you run for a re-election again. And what Tim was saying is that, hey, yes, Sandy threw these fish fries or these juju on the beat things, but we didn't see him during the other three years he was in office. So, He's he's pretty much saying it's not resonating with the people. And he, he was very reasoned, man. Like, you know, on social media, a lot of the supporters of Sam Jones and Sandy Stimson, it's gotten pretty ugly. It's been some name calling. You heard that in Erica's interview. Uh, but with him, man, you didn't get any of that. Uh, he even said that he's ready to work with um, Sandy should he win. So I thought... um. I thought it was pretty good, man. I didn't I didn't realize the whole uh, fundraising disparity. Uh, of course, I haven't been able to fact check that. But by him saying that Stimson has raised a million dollars to Sam Jones is twenty five thousand. And for them to still be neck and neck is pretty impressive. Uh, and then with the Erica Cooley interview, we know her uh, personally. She was our very first guest uh, ever in politically entertaining history uh, with her, man. I thought she asked a good question, you know, like, you know, when you asked if Sam Jones win for her, I think she needs some some wounds healed because she's she's been one of the people that's been directly personally attacked. And when I say that, I don't mean like people just disagreeing with her and saying how their candidate is better than hers. I mean, like, you know, 
calling her names such as coons and a sellout and things like that. She's been personally attacked and you can hear it in her voice. You can hear the hurt. You can hear the passion. You can hear the excitement that she has for Sandy Stimson. But there's obviously a lot of hurt uh, that is going on in this campaign. And so for her to say that, I, I believe she was alluding to the fact that, yeah, she will work with Sam Jones, but she needs to have a word with some of those supporters of his that felt it was OK to, in her words, bully her and use the tactics of, of a Trump or what we saw in Charlottesville with the intimidation factor. And she came across as very talented, man. Like, I don't know if, you know, Sam Jones took her advice, but she was saying when she was with his campaign that she suggested that he use young people. And I've seen a lot of young people on his campaign this go around. I'm not saying that that's where he got the idea from, but it just speaks to the talent that this woman has. And, uh, you know, Sandy Stimson definitely picked a great person in her. So I just enjoyed talking to both of them, man. And, you know, from the outside looking in, not having a dog in the race, it's just really interesting to hear both of them say why their candidate is better of our beloved city. So, very interesting. I can't see, can't wait to see what happens Tuesday, man. Um, what did you get from Tim Hill and Erica Cooley? Man, um, you had a great response. I, you know, I think for me, it was just, it was, it was just amazing. Just looking at two sides, of, two different sides of the coin. Um, Tim Hale, I mean, he he pretty much came in and, and slam dunk. I mean, his answers were. Um, amazing. He was very articulate. He was very re- measured. And I think that, you know, some of the things he mentioned as far as, you know, the Jones campaign uh, versus the supporters rhetoric. And I think differentiating between that shows you that some of the damage maybe that has been done, not from people like Tim Hale, but maybe some other people who are, you know, off book supporting Sam Jones, but doing it in a rogue way, how they have maybe affected people. And obviously, Erica mentioned some of those things. Um, I just I just think that both sides, both people, both Eric and Tim were very, very genuine in, in what they believe. And I think that's what you hear when you come through. It's like it's amazing to be in the middle of something where you respect both people and they're both have articulated, um, you know, arguments about, you know, for, for their candidate. And I think it's really I really, really hope that after the election there can be a reconciliation and we'll be aware people that, you know, obviously it's very, it's, and I, and I totally get it because in, in my life, in my life, in my, in my, you know, it's always been, Hey, if there's a black candidate and you're black, you support them because white people do the same for white people. Right. I mean, that's pretty much, I mean, I'm, I'm keeping it hundred, I'm keeping 100 right now. But at the same time, we also need to realize that, um, the, the, the black community, and having and, and me having my eyes open by having people like Tim Scott, who is a senator, Republican of South Carolina, you know, saying things like, hey, if you want to have the most change happen, you have to be on both sides. Now, I'm not saying and I'm not making excuses for anything as far as, you know, say, Stanley Simpson with the Comet Cowboys or any maybe things that Sam Jones may have done right or wrong. I'm just saying that I think that having intelligent people on both sides of the campaign is not bad for the black community. And I hope that after the election, they can realize that and use those positions to better position um, the black community going forward. I really hope that can happen. I know that may be a sound a little bit too uh, altruistic or a little bit maybe too, even too naive. But I do think that's possible when you have people who are as passionate and as intelligent on both sides as, as Tim Hale and, 
Erica Cooley. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed both interviews. I hope to have them both back on. I really uh, respect both of them. I've seen what they've done in the community and what they're both doing. So uh, just kudos to both of them, and I thank them for coming on the show. Yeah, man, again, this was like, you know, the the first of its kind for us to do this type of show. We hope you enjoy. Uh, as always, we ask you to subscribe. We're on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Podbean, as well as podcasts on Google Play. We also have a YouTube channel, Politically Entertaining. We're on Facebook, Politically Entertaining, as well as Twitter at The Vocal Minority. Check us out, you know, follow us. Uh, we definitely will get back to you know, the regular programming in the weeks to come, but we really felt like this show needed to be done because the election between these two candidates is it's been so uh, interesting. So can't wait to see what happened. Hope you enjoy. Uh, you know, give us feedback, give us your criticism, give us questions that you, you felt like we should have asked. Uh, give us where you think we left let somebody off the hook with their answer. You know, just we just want to start the conversation. So Again, we thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in again on Politically Entertaining. Thank you for listening to Politically Entertaining. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes and visit politicallyentertaining.com for the latest in political news and updates.